Part two of Two Cumberland Ballads by John Stagg. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Rose of Corby. Sweet sung the blackbird on the spray, sweet sung the lark his matin song, and sweetly sung sweet Ellen Gay as through the grove she ranged along. Fair Ellen was pronounced the rose of all the maidens far and wide. No rival beauty might propose to vie with her on Eden's side. Her sire, Sir Guilford Salkeld, was a doughty baron as might be. No neighbouring knight could him surpass in wealth throughout the north country. No more for wealth than valour famed, his prowess rang the country round. The brave Sir Guilford, still surnamed, for Enoch's court was he renowned. Fair Ellen was his only child, now in her prime with every grace, in manners as an angel mild, whilst beauty's self sat in her face. Full many a knight of high renown, and baron bold with ardour strove, to win the fair one for his own, and to engage young Ellen's love. Among the undistinguished crowd of suitors that successive came, was one a knight right brave aloud, Sir Fergus Buick was his name. Great was his wealth, great was his power, in view his castled mansion lay, and day by day within his tower full fourscore men enjoyed his pay. With ardour long his suit he pressed, implored her pity, urged his smart, but though keen passion fired his breast, no flame responsive warmed her heart. Thus unsuccessful with the dame, the sire's assistance next he sues. To him proposed his suit and aim, in hopes the boon he'd not refuse. But sordid was Sir Guilford's breast, still wishful to increase his store, and though with more than plenty blessed, yet still the baron wanted more. Lord Dacres had his love disclosed, not to fair Ellen, but to her sire. To him large offers had proposed, in hopes to accomplish his desire. Their wide domains contiguous laid, Lord Dacres was of high degree, and where one acre Buick had, it might be said that he had three. This with old Salkeld more prevailed, than every argument beside, the suit of poor Sir Fergus failed, and Ellen's hand he was denied. But in his heart's no rankling wound, his unrequited love had made, there love had little entrance found, and soon that little was allayed. To Corby Castle more attached, than to fair Ellen by his flame, he to her fortunes would have matched, not minding much the beauteous dame. And much the same Lord Dacres, he the lands and not the lady viewed, nor caring how her heart might be, he diligent the father sued. Of Corby Castle once possessed, he well foresaw his rising worth, for this would make him with the rest the greatest lord in all the north. Nor was the sire less pleased to see the increase of wealth, the increase of power, that from this sordid union he should on his much-loved daughter shower. Sir Guilford to his daughter said, upon a lovely morn in May, Come here, my fair, my pretty maid, I something serious have to say. You're now near twenty years of age, and in the bloom of youthful prime. Tis meet you with the world engage, 
nor longer idly waste your time for i am old and far in years my thread of life cannot last long and many are a father's fears that a dear daughter may do wrong then ere i sink into the grave as heaven alone can tell how soon of you one favour i must crave and you must not deny the boon you know i've been indulgent still to you no wish have i denied for whate'er seemed to be your will with that was i well satisfied so daughter dear with my request in gratitude you must comply obedience always makes me blessed i know you cannot won't deny lord dacres is a worthy lord he likes you well he craves your love i promised on a father's word his suits my ellen must approve his vast domain wide round us lies to yours this added soon shall be and you advanced in rank shall rise prime lady of the north country but if perversely you refuse to yield consent to my request no tis not left to you to choose no tis your father's firm behest but fain that tyrant word command would i excuse might it be so nor forth extend coercion's hand to plunge a daughter into woe but your good sense my child i hope will teach obedience to my will nor let you with my mandates cope so trust i to your better skill if you lord dacre's suit approve then all i have is surely thine but if you shall refuse your love then ne'er expect a might of mine this is my pleasure my request nay more tis my command to you think as you please but choose the best so spoke the baron and withdrew have you beheld a new-blown rose when drenched by one fast-falling shower its tints with more effect disclose each drop improving more the flower so looked fair ellen pensive mute the tears fast trickling o'er her cheek to hear lord dacre's proxied suit unable one short word to speak how could she force her heart to love one scarcely seen and quite unknown how force her bosom to approve a flame repugnant to her own no tis not in a parent's might to force affection fix the heart a subtler power with subtler slight alone can execute this part amongst the knights and barons who so frequent throng sir gilbert's court for feats of tournaments or show to hunt the boar or other sport though in their gaudiest suits arrayed though numerous vassals thronged each train though skill and valour were displayed and courtesy of manners vain not one midst all this proud parade of lordly guests who forward pressed had e'er the least impression made within fair ellen's youthful breast save one a youth whose modest mien spoke no exalted rank or fame him oft at corby had she seen and musgrave was the stripling's name no baron he nor baron's son nor gartered knight of high degree but he with lord de greystock won in his fair castle merrily adorned with every courtly grace each rare endowment he possessed a manly beauty flushed his face and virtue seemed to fire his breast 
his grandsire whilom the domain erst held of gilsland as i ween but our sixth harry's hapless reign the ruin of his house had been a small reversion had been spared whereby the family to trace of which lord greystock then was ward for musgrave last of all his race in him as in the fondest sire the youth a kind protection found and every wish and each desire were always with indulgence crowned a train of serving men had he alone to serve at his command and where his lord e'er chanced to be was musgrave close at his right hand when e'er to old sir guildford's hall de greystock friendly visits paid the younker let what would befall one of his party always made young ellen say young ellen loved the youth alone her heart possessed his every action she approved and that approval soon confessed nor unconcerned had he beheld the youthful ellen's beauteous face a mutual flame his breast had filled and every thought to love gave place but conscious of the inferior state in which he stood he only mourned bewailed the unkindness of his fate in silence gazed in secret burned full oft to ease his lovelorn mind an interview he sought to have and love to lovers ever kind an opportunity soon gave for as one morn amidst the shade he ranged deep wrapped in thoughtful love he chanced to hear the beauteous maid sweet singing through the echoing grove with ardour winged swift as a dart impatient lover onward hide but love though it o'erflowed the heart the powers of utterance quite denied a while in fixed amazement stood th admiring youth nor ventress spoke her charms with heartfelt transport viewed but thus at length he silence broke say lady fair what brings you here so far so early and alone quoth she kind sir what needs me fear are not these parks my father's own here every morn i come to hear the lark his matin carol sing here too at evening tide repair until the warning curfew ring how cheering is the blackbird's song how freshening is the vernal breeze how glad seem all the feathered throng whilst gaily fluttering through the trees fair is the landscape to the eye and variegated is the scene hushed are the winds whilst yonder sky is all unruffled and serene there eden rolls majestic stream whose course the towering cliffs o'ershade and there aurora's morning beam from its smooth surface is displayed yon rising hills these murmuring floods those distant towers that strike the sight these flowery walks those shady woods are all conducive of delight and then how healthful tis to range to breathe the morning scented air why then kind stranger seems it strange that you should find me walking here not that i blame your walk replies the youth tis pleasant all must own but what created my surprise was but in meeting you alone and who should be my partner pray said she to walk along the grove what person fitter lady say than he the happy man you love 
"'Who is that man?' fair Ellen said. "'As yet I wot not, I protest. "'Whoe'er he be, most beauteous maid, "'he certes must be doubly blessed. "'Good heavens!' young Musgrave sighed, then hushed. "'On Ellen fixed his steadfast eyes, "'whilst o'er his cheeks the crimson flushed, "'and she beheld him with surprise. "'Why stand you thus?' said Ellen. "'Speak. "'Why fix your earnest gaze on me? "'Why heaves your breast? "'Why glows your cheeks? "'Say, sir, what may the matter be?' "'Forgive, fair dame,' young Musgrave cried. "'The emotions prudence should conceal, "'emotions which I cannot hide, "'that speak too plainly what I feel. "'To burn in secret, long my fate, for thee, "'sweet Ellen, peerless fair. "'But, conscious of my humble state, "'forbore that passion to declare. "'But since the long heart's buried flame "'that rent my breast, that made me bleed, "'burst forth that passion to proclaim, "'despair to folly must succeed.' "'Despair?' fair Ellen straight replied. "'Brave men with fortune ought to cope. "'The adage ne'er was yet denied.' faint heart you know the rest then hope but say what pencil shall portray the altered look of musgrave's face no common hand the task essay when doubt to certainty gave place soon each to each to their hearts explain and diffidence was soon no more nor long suspense prolonged their pain for love had done the work before from Greystock many a well-pleased tour to Corby, graceful Musgrave took, and oft-times at the midnight hour, Leander-like, he swam the brook. There with his rose in dalliance sweet, he'd stay till grey-eyed morn appeared, then, unobserved, made his retreat, and gladsome home to Greystock steered. But when fair Ellen came to know her father's cruel, stern intent, her heart was quite o'erwhelmed with woe, and rage and fear her bosom rent. Rage, that she should be thus compelled to wed the object of her hate, but most, her breast with fears was filled, lest Musgrave were informed too late. Then suing morn was to see her maid Lord Dacre's married wife. Such was her father's stern decree, and cursed must be her future life and such was old sir guildford's mood no reasoning air could change his mind for be the project bad or good he'd do what he had once designed his temper well fair ellen knew from lenity she'd naught to hope and sure desertion must ensue were she to hazard to elope but then to give her willing hand to one her heart so disapproved and for a cruel sire's command thus to desert the man she loved. O'er each consideration weighed, but how to act she could not tell. Nice was the point, and sore afraid was she to err, though meaning well. Then she called up her trusty page, and to the varlets thus said she, Wilt thou now, on thy oath, engage to serve me once with secrecy? An errand thou must run me straight, a letter too must take withal and thou must neither stop nor wait till thou hast reached the greystock's hall then up and spoke this trusty page and to fair ellen thus did say in what new task must i engage that you these strict injunctions lay 
have you not found me faithful still to run or bide at your command has not my pleasure been your will did i your bidding ever stand no more she said begone with speed nor longer stop to prate away but as i find you shall succeed proportioned your reward shall be then off with nimble feet he hied the silver moon bestowed her light nor stopped he once nor turned aside till the greystock towers appeared in sight and when he reached the castle gate he boldly rung the castle bell who's there the porter called that late thus rings or what your business tell unbar the gate the page replied be quick for i've no time to stay for what the churlish porter cried first stranger tell thy business pray tis a fair lady's embassage that i in charge to musgrave bear and i must see him said the page before the morning light appear then straight the bolts the porter drew the page admitted through the gate and quick to musgrave's chamber flew his sore grudged errand to relate the slumbering lover from his bed the porter roused and led him straight to where the page all shivering stayed impatient at the inner gate what is thy business musgrave said what is thy business friend with me that thus my slumbers you invade misdreams of such felicity tis much replied the witty page if e'er you dreamt whilst in your bed of things wherein you must engage ere you again lay down your head here is a letter read it straight from that you'll learn what's to be done for me i may no longer wait i must be home ere rising sun so said the page with speed returned whilst musgrave to his chamber hies his breast with keen enquiry burned and soon the crackling signet flies but as a tender scroll he read what anxious passions thronged his breast love fear and rage by turns invade and sorely was the youth distressed but not a moment now to waste was left the time was precious grown his servants musgrave raised in haste and soon his ticklish plight made known attend my gay companions all the lovelorn anxious musgrave said i've business now it seems will call for all your friendship and your aid the beauteous rose of corby she has sworn to be my wedded bride but her stern father doth decree she to lord dacres should be tied to-morrow is the fated day that makes fair ellen dacres wife then rouse my friends nor lingering stay on you depends my future life array you in your suits of green each with a sword and targets bright and let us ere de greystock ween to corby scour ere morning light the nearest route full well i know no tell-tale shall our march report in sooth our steeds shall not be slow we'll either make or mar some sport with haste the ready troop obeyed each from the stall his courser led and soon the adventurous cavalcade like lightning from the castle sped through inglewood they took their way o'er lofty berwick furious ride and long before the break of day arrive at eden's winding side here in a close embowering wood they stopped a while whilst breath they took to fix on plans to be pursued 
before they ventured through the brook. By the Lord Harry, Musgrave said, now something desperate must be done, for oft said Ellen, beauteous maid, faint heart, fair lady, never won. But here a while we may repose, till Sol yon eastern hills adorn. What would be best to do, God knows, but naught can be achieved till morn. So said, their coursers fast they tied, and down on heathy hillocks lay, resolved in silence to abide the upshot of the coming day. Forth from the east the blushing dawn, o'er heartside's heights now gan to glare, the lowing herds now seek the lawn, the shepherds to their pens repair. While through the grove the woodlark sings, the bleating lambkins range the hills, and welcome to the chorus rings, and smiles the face of nature fill. Up rose Lord Dacres with the day, around him thronged a numerous train of knights and squires and ladies gay, before his castle on the plain. For Corby marched the merry troop, to his heartfelt pleasure flushed each face. Nor oft had passed so fair a group through Gilsland on so fair a case. Sir Fergus Buick by the side of Dacres rode, in cheerful glee, in armour clad with lordly pride, a gallant white I ween was he, with numbers more in armour bright, who gaily followed in the throng, in sooth it was a glorious sight, to view them as they passed along. Scarce had the sun the hills illumined, that bound fair Cumbria on the east, before this troop, all gaily plumed, the western banks of earthing pressed, while Corby Castle near at hand, rose through the forest fair to view, when eager now, the jocund band, the nearly finished routes pursue. The tuneful bell, with cheerful sound, from Wetherill Priory hailed the train, and the re-echoing rocks resound, down Eden's vale, the gladsome strain. And soon arrived the cheerful band, their lengthening ranks in order drawn, in ample lines they gaily stand, extended o'er the verdant lawn. Old Salkold hobbled to the green, and said, My friends, you're welcome all. So fair a troop I have not seen, assembled e'er before my hall. How fares Lord Dacres, and the rest of all his jovial company? All well, I hope, so I am blessed. Come, friends, dismount and go with me. For ere you stir or quit this ground, for Hymen's altar to proceed, the sparkling goblet shall go round, as doubtless all refreshments need. So said the grooms the prancing steeds, each led to their respective stall, whilst Dacres his companions leads, to taste the cheer of Guildford's hall. Here every face with joy seemed glad, to trouble every heart unknown, save Ellen, silent she and sad, her chamber sought and sighed alone. Where is my Musgrave? cried the maid. Why comes he not with speed to me? Oh, has my secret been betrayed, or faithless can my true love be? Haste to my rescue, Musgrave, haste, or soon I am made Lord Dacre's wife. Indole my future days to waste, and be unhappy through my life. Young Musgrave heard not Ellen's moan in the green forest where he stood, yet oft his anxious looks were thrown to Corby from the sheltering wood. He saw Lord Dacres with his train arrive upon the castle green, 
he saw them mustered on the plain full sorely vexed was he i ween for full five hundred glittering spears with dacres came all fair to view their numbers raised the lovers fears and well he wist not what to do here are we but a score in all he said and though we courage boast my friends our number is too small to cope with such a powerful host some favouring juncture i expect kind heaven for musgrave shall ordain we must by stratagem effect what we by force cannot obtain expectant of our future state unseen their movements we may view the happy crisis here await that shall instruct us what to do whilst each of you my trusty friends attend me with undaunted heart that when kind chance the occasion lends each may be ready for his part and now prepare these gallants all each to remount his mettled steed to quit the hospitable hall and to the abbey straight proceed fair ellen on a palfrey rode full closely by lord dacre's side in garments gay dressed a la mode a winsome but a woeful bride young musgrave viewed the cavalcade from the green forest where he lay the host in glittering arms arrayed and painful sight his ellen gay but say how must his youthful heart with agonizing rage be torn to see his rose in tears depart and to the church triumphant born the temple soon the party gain and soon the hallowed rites are o'er when all soon quits the sacred fane and to the hall return once more loud mirth now fills the festive throng the spacious goblets stream around the mingling laugh the chorus song loud through the echoing mansion sound and every bosom seemed to share the transports of the festive morn save ellen she dejected fair in secret wailed her lot forlorn when loudly rung the castle bell and loudly rung the echoing hall for such an unexpected knell struck with surprise the strangers all who's there the testy porter cried that with such vengeance dares to ring twere meet his manners he had tried that doth such noisy errands bring i bear a note one answered straight tis for fair ellen's hand alone and here the lady must i wait until her answer i have known to ellen swift the porter flies and straight the stranger's message brought quick to the gate the lady flies and from a page receives the note with which she to her chamber flew its contents all in haste to prove but how was she surprised to view subscribed your musgrave in the grove in this he had a plan proposed in which their mutual interest shared a plan with which fair ellen closed and straight a feigned reply prepared then to the hall again she hied where all the guests expectant stayed what is the news her father cried what was that note my pretty maid tis from my charming cousin kate of brayton hall who sends to me that since she's been informed so late she begs that she excused may be but promises some future day when all our bustle is got through she'll come and at our castle stay and spend with me a week or two so said with her supposed reply again she hastens to the gate 
the page commands aloud to fly and bear her scroll to cousin kate but at that instant from the trees brave musgrove and his trusty train rush forth the trembling ellen sees and bear her fainting o'er the plain each to his courser nimbly springs fair ellen musgrave rode behind love joined with fear supplies them wings and off they scamper like the wind or scale be more their route they took the esk they forded one and all nor stopped they once for burn nor brook until they reached gilnocky hall here johnny armstrong held his seat of cumbrian marshes then the pest and here they found a safe retreat for here what power could them molest the bravest baron of the north as armstrong's name would shake with dread for when he led his legions forth wide terror round the country spread for full four hundred bowmen bold he constant kept within his hall and had as we're by story told both horse and harness for them all now here a while let musgrave stay in eskdale with his ellen fair to corby we retrace our way and view again what's doing there the porter from the castle gate had partly seen fair ellen's rape and flew like lightning to relate her capture and the foe's escape wild uproar through the mansion ranged that loudly echoed with alarms their merriment to mourning changed and all the place resounds to arms to arms to arms lord dacres cried to horse my friends without delay the trees and stalks my blooming bride the rose of corby snatched away the fierce freebooters of the north they doubtless have my ellentain then bravely let us sally forth the beauteous captive to regain then north with these and south with those in sooth they wandered far and near but of the luckless ravished rose no tale nor tidings could they hear for though the porter saw the train that bore the beauteous bride away to mark the route that they had ta'en it seems he had no mind to stay the band thus foiled in their pursuit back to the castle's slow return there wrapped in stupid silence mute fair ellen's luckless fate they mourn tis strange sir fergus buick cried who those bold ravishers have been that could secure the hapless bride and thus escape with her unseen twould seem as if from concert she had acted with the men before for she went to the gate right free nor her nor they have we seen more now foul before thee false knight lord dacres to sir fergus cried it strikes me now that rival spite hath robbed me of my beauteous bride amazed i thy indifference saw beheld thy coolness with surprise that could so easily withdraw thy claims from such a precious prize was thy pretended friendship say but meant to cousin me thy friend meant to seduce my bride away and leave thee hated in the end think not sir fergus thus to deal with me as one thou wouldst despise dacres has a heart to feel he has a hand that shall chastise for wheresoe'er the charming maid thou hast concealed or east or west be sure that this avenging blade shall force the secret from thy breast 
when thus Sir Fergus fierce replied, Lord Dacres, you have charged me wrong. Such words suit ill a Buick's pride. Such charges can't to me belong. Not one of all the Buick line the name of villain ever knew, much less shall coward then combine to stigmatise our honour too. As heaven's my judge, I do aver, I never practised on your bride, nor basely would with knaves confer your nuptials thus to set aside. No, Dacres, Buick doth despise all falsehood, whatsoe'er its aim, as much as he thy rage defies, or values his unblemished name. Ere I, believe me on my word, to thee in point of honour yield, I'll place my life upon my sword, and try my fortune in the field. Tis true, I once fair Ellen loved, but soon relinquished every claim, whene'er I knew that disapproved, for my addresses by the dame. Canst thou, Lord Dacres, then suppose that I could brook such villainy, to rob thee of thy rightful rose by practices so cowardly? Ill suits it with our house's pride to be thus slandered and dispersed. Our honour has been often tried, nor was our courage thought the worse. Then think not, Dacres, I shall stand and tamely bear a villain's name. With thee I'll try my willing hand, and vindicate my injured fame. No more they chaffed with useless words, but from the hall enraged withdrew. Refulgent flashed their deadly swords, and each to each like lions flew. Sir Fergus aimed a deadly thrust at Dacre's breast. He reeled and fell. Writhing with pain he bites the dust, and cursing takes his last farewell. But ere the dire vindictive wound of life that Dacre's dispossessed, his falchion had a passage found deep in the brave Sir Buick's breast. Passed through the wound, life's purple tide rushed forth, whilst Fergus gasped for breath. I'm innocent, he faltering cried, and closed his glimmering eyes in death. With general consternation shook, each knight and baron stood oppressed. Wild horror stared in every look, and anger rose in every breast. When thus Sir Guilford Salkeld said, unto the strangers in his hall, "'Tis I that have this ruin made, "'tis I am guilty of it all. "'The faults, the folly, mine are proved. "'The damning thought shall haunt me still. "'By avarice and ambition moved, "'I thought to force my daughter's will. "'But, punished in my boundless pride, "'whilst I that folly long may mourn, Fate all those prospects has denied, and she, my rose, shall ne'er return. O destiny, my child restore, her presence yet may soothe my pain. Grant me but her, I ask no more, and all that's mine is hers again. So prayed the parents in his grief, and heaven, indulgent, heard his prayer, for soon the porter brought relief. A letter from his Ellen fair. In this for pardon much she sued, Then pleaded in her own defence. The tears the father's cheeks bedewed, As he exclaimed, Just providence! How wise and wondrous are thy ways! Omniscient justice! Power divine! Man may a thousand projects raise, 
to execute alone is thine yes musgrave thou shalt be my son my ellen shall be doubly dear fate ends what blindly i begun the mandate let me then revere those lands which late lord dacus held to thee brave youth of right belonged from them thy grandsire was expelled and all thy house most basely wronged but heaven the orphan's faithful ward decrees that they shall yet be thine shall i then rashly disregard an ordinance that seems divine soon shall the king confirm to thee what is by legal right thy own and i shall happily live to see myself yet happy in a son the turns of this eventful day the wondering crowd could but admire and each preparing for his way begged leave they homeward might retire nay by my troth sir guilford cried this is what must not cannot be a bridal i must yet provide since one my friends you came to see my daughter shall be sent for straight and youthful musgrave with all speed here in my castle shall you wait until you see how all succeed meanwhile to these two luckless lords our joint attention be preferred and though the church no rights afford to them yet must they be interred that done we here will solemnize my daughter's nuptials with all joy and hope no accident may rise again our pleasure to destroy then straightway for gilnocky hall a trusty courier they provide the lovely ellen to recall and musgrave now old salkel's pride with ready speed the servants flew nor lingering lagged nor looked behind till armstrong's castle struck his view near where the esk and liddle joined soon as the massy doors unbarred the first that he discovered there was musgrave walking in the yard and by his side young ellen fair what news what news the lady cried what news from corby bring'st thou me good news fair dame the page replied far better than you thought would be lord dacres did sir fergus blame for your escape with all his mane their quarrel rose at length they came to weapons and they both are slain soon as your then afflicted sire your letter got his tears he dried and now avows his sole desire that you shall be young musgrave's bride and i am by sir guilford sent to hasten your return likewise for it is now his fixed intent your nuptials there to solemnize and musgrave is declared the heir of all lord dacre's vast domains which once his predecessors were and which he now by right obtains well thanks for thy auspicious tale fair ellen to the servant said when i arrive in eden vale thy tidings shall be well repaid so said a friendly leave they took of armstrong and his merry band the scotian borders straight forsook and post away to cumberland and mickle joy was there i ween at corby castle on that day when safe returning home were seen young musgrave and his lady gay with cheerful glee the bells were rung whilst transports glistened through the hall and rich and poor and old and young at corby found a welcome call and long and happy lived the pair 
with every bliss that reason knows and heaven's best joys may corby share which yet can boast a peerless rose end of part two end of two cumberland ballads by john stagg read by phil benson in sydney australia